time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studios. On Classic is 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Roto-Rooter. Big B Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By M.J. Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Poly By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet, Ohio Automotive Supply, Seneca Millwork, Five Star Maintenance, and by the Rumpy Corporation. And now, let's go live to Lance and Matt from the Fricker Studios for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris Matt Common here with you tonight thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night and Matt how are you doing? Man I am doing outstanding um it's it's been a fun week it's it's been an interesting few days needless to say uh first off hats off to the Houston Astros for uh, y- you have to make the argument now a dynasty and they want it the right way. And I, I think maybe just because as a baseball fan, it's nice to see dusty Baker finally get one. <laughs> it's like, it, it makes me feel better about dusty Baker that he finally gets one, but congrats to Houston on the world series win. And also for beating the Yankees. That just makes me feel better every time. Just the fact that the Yankees lost it makes everything better. But no, we got a great show, man. We have a solid, solid show on deck. Um, uh, so some some bitter farewells coming up in this show. But you know what? It, it's been a great, great run this season for Calvert Volleyball. I'm looking forward to talk with them, getting their insights, and see what the future has in store for some of them. But Man, been been a good week, been a great week, been a sad week at times. There, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's it, we just need to get into it, just get right into it at this stage. On this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios, we're going to talk, of course, with Kevin Harris, trying to meet at midfield to talk Ohio State football. They got the win in an ugly game against Northwestern to to uh, advance to the next week and stay undefeated this week. They will take on Indiana. We'll talk with Kevin here in just a few minutes. We'll also talk with Tiffin Calvert volleyball coach Lori Rombach, along with some of her players. The Seneca's finished the season 23-3 overall. They made their fifth straight appearance in the regionals. We'll hear from Coach Rombach and company in about a half hour from now. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Fricker Studios on Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. We are not physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window, dine-in, or get delivery through DoorDash. All those daily specials are dine-in only. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at frickers.com. And, of course, Matt, we do have some great coverage of high school football coming your way. On Friday, we have the rematch in the Battle of the Woods with Elmwood taking on Eastwood. And then Saturday night, we'll head over to Ottawa-Glandorf, where we'll have Macomb taking on the Lima Central Catholic Thunderbirds in the third round of the postseason. And 
Uh, Matt, uh, both of those games, uh, I know only we'll only be at the one on Saturday, but both of those matchups are shaping up to be to be some pretty good ones here uh, this weekend. Uh, so, some very, very good ones and also some very critical ones for us to uh, continue covering high school football this season. But no, it should be a great series of matchups. I mean, LCC versus Macomb, there's a lot at stake in that one, especially the way Macomb plays, the way LCC plays. Should make for a pretty thrilling matchup Saturday night and then that battle of the woods round two. I mean, that, that was a great game in the regular season. That was a fantastic regular season game. So kind of expecting more of the same here in the postseason. Hopefully we get that and should make for some pretty exciting football action this weekend. And not to, uh, not to devalue what you see from uh, the other side of that region in, uh, in division seven, region 26, but I have to imagine between Macomb or LCC, whoever wins that one, I, I have to think that they'll beat either Gibsonburg or Antwerp. I know Antwerp has been a very good team this year, but I, I got to imagine it's kind of a de facto uh, regional final game when uh, when Macomb takes on LCC. It, it is. It very much is a de facto regional title game. I mean, it's a- Antwerp is a talented team. Don't get me wrong. This is a knock on them in any way, shape, or form. Gibsonburg is having a much better season than people anticipated. Usually they're, you know, Kind of kind of like origami, they fold under pressure once you hit the postseason based on their schedule year in and year out. But yeah, for, for my two cents, I really, I'm viewing this as the de facto regional final game. I'm actually going to take a step further. I'm actually re- re- seeing this as the de facto state semifinal game as well. I, I really think whoever wins this one, it's very similar to several years back when it was McComb versus Edgerton. I think whoever wins this one is really got a good bracket shaping up for themselves to make it all the way to States as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see how it shakes out, but should make for a pretty exciting matchup Saturday night and a lot on the line as we've already alluded to. So it's going to be a fun one. And plus we get to go to a new field. I've never been to OG for a football game. So that'll be fun. Yeah, neither have I. That should uh, should be interesting to uh, go out there for football. But, of course, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, to talk Ohio State football here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Great news, Fostoria. The new watershed near the corner of 4th and Finley Streets is now open. This watershed offers another convenient location in the southwest corner of town to purchase pure water. You can also use the watershed off of Plaza Drive. Both watersheds are open 24-7 every day of the year. So grab your quarters and your containers and head to the closest watershed near you. For more info, go to nwwsd.org. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a $0.25 shift differential for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome to Bigby Coffee, your home away from home that picks you up and leaves you in a better mood than when you arrived. No matter who you are, we know we'll have a drink for you and her and him. You see, here at Bigby, we can customize our drinks for each person. Dairy or no dairy, coffee or no coffee. We've got you covered, hot, iced or frozen. 
Bigby Coffee is one of a kind, just like you. With locations on Tiffin Avenue and Trenton Avenue in Finley to serve you. Roto-Rooter is always the first name you think of when you have problems with your sewer system or any other household drains. Tim Munger and Roto-Rooter will thoroughly clean your sewer system, sink, shower drains, and toilets. The Mungers have been serving the Faustoria and Seneca County area for over 65 years. Give Tim Munger a call at 419-435-3360. That's 419-435-3360 for all of your drain cleaning needs. And away go troubles down the drain. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Classic Kids 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Last Saturday, the Ohio State Buckeyes got the win over Northwestern. This Saturday, they will take on Indiana. You can, of course, listen to Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We are now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer for Meet at Midfield, along with awful announcing and the comeback here in the Frickers Zoom room. Kevin, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you guys? Oh, good. Thank you. Uh, thank you once again for taking taking the time to talk with us. And we, we again uh, get to talk about, you know, some I'll say lackluster play just for lack of a better term because of uh, all all the different weather that was happening at Northwestern in Ohio State getting that win what were your big takes away takeaways and what can you say about just how bad the weather was in comparison to other bad weather games we remember from over the years yeah I mean that was that was close to the worst weather I've I've seen Ohio State play in um might be the closest closest to the worst weather I've like seen and the thing is it didn't look bad and I think that's what gets a lot of people on on TV it looked like I mean it wasn't like pouring down rain or anything like that for most of the game but the wind was insane we had like consistent uh maybe 25 mile an hour winds with like regular gusts of 40 and the wind gusts got up to 80 80 miles an hour and i looked it up hurricane winds start at like 70 miles an hour so you had gusts of hurricane strength wind in that game and so if you're really like if you're worried about the offense based on what you saw in that game just don't be especially cj stroud like if you looked at some of the balls that they were trying to throw downfield and it lands like 20 yards away from the receiver. Like that's not him. Uh, th- there are just several cases of that. And then even in terms of like the running game, like the running game was not great. And I know it's even more concerning because it hasn't been great the past couple weeks, but like when a team knows that you can't throw the ball downfield and you have to run the ball, it's a lot easier to defend than it is to uh, um, if you have any sort of diversity in your offense. So th- if there's any game that you're just going to throw out and just like, completely disregard let it be the northwestern game but i mean there were still things we learned um you know i think uh cj stroud for our, for not being able to throw the ball at all actually had a pretty good game um you take away his the drops in that game too and he has an adjusted completion percentage of like 63 percent, which like in 40 mile an hour wins a 63 percent passing or completion percentage is still like that would probably be uh, without looking, I think that's probably the top half of the Big Ten in normal conditions. So um, he certainly did not have as bad of a game as his stats are going to indicate. I think he finished with like a 38% completion percentage, which just shows you how many dropped balls there were. Um, and even that, like those were probably affected by the wind. Those guys get a mulligan too. Like it was just a, a crazy game. But um, I, I was really impressed by Ohio State showing off CJ Stroud's legs a little bit. 
And uh, I, I really think that's going to open things up for the running game a little more uh, heading into the rest of the season that he's just even shown the threat that he can keep the ball. So what you're saying is that we're doomed is what you're saying clearly is it, at least if you listen to the fans and the talking heads out there, it, it seems like nobody is legitimately looking at this Ohio state team right now because of this game, they're thinking, Oh, well, it's just a placeholder until the Michigan game. And then Michigan's going to win and it's going to be Michigan taking the big 10 and Michigan being in the college football player. What is it about Ohio state that people so actively dismiss like very valid excuse. I mean, I've played in those types of windy conditions before it's you're, you're not getting anything done. It's a, it's a miracle that the game goes on when the conditions are that bad. So what what is it still to this day about Ohio State that people just actively dismiss plausible explanations and just assume, oh, it's because the team's actually really bad? Well, one, I think that's how, for better or for worse, that's how Ohio State fans operate. It's really funny, like, um, I, I and it's it's like, it's both Ohio State fans and the nation, but like, I think Ohio State fans, compared to even Michigan fans, they have a tendency to think that their team is bad and the coaches are bad and everybody needs to be fired when something goes slightly wrong. And when the rest of the nation's saying that too, because that's kind of just how everybody talks about everybody else's team, like, oh, your team isn't good, whatever, then it just kind of ends up with like a really like big echo. Um, and so like comparing Ohio State fans and Michigan fans, it's really hilarious because like, Michigan fans will come up with every excuse why um, why actually like they were really good and everything went wrong in the game that caused them to lose, whatever. Whereas like most Ohio State fans that I come across are like, oh, we're terrible. We need to fire all the coaches. And so I don't know. It's just a very different mentality. Um, Ohio State fans are super, super, super critical of their team. Uh, and that's how you get those high expectations. Like it's just a really funny dynamic. Like while everybody else is bashing your team, Ohio State fans in a lot of ways are right there with them. Um, but in this case, like, step away from the ledge. It's going to be fine. Like, I, the, this was not – if there's a game that you want to complain about, this was not it. I've seen a lot of people compl- or comparing this to how Ohio State played against Michigan in uh, uh, last year when when there were kind of poor weather conditions and it was a little windy. It's not the same thing. It's, it's not the same thing at all. Um, last year's Michigan game, it was a little snowy. Uh, you know, it was less than ideal conditions this week. It was like extreme, almost impossible conditions. Like you just could not throw the ball downfield. You couldn't, it was a miracle that they had a couple downfield passes. Um, so I, I think that just it, you need to just take this game and just throw it away. Ohio state survived advanced, got out of the game. Uh, we saw CJ Stroud run the ball a little bit. That's going to help things in the long run past that. Just let it go, move on. Um, and, and, you know, like Ohio state very well, like could come out and lose to Michigan. I think Michigan's a, a very good football team, but this game is not an indication of, of whether or not Ohio state is going to lose to Michigan. Like this game does not have any bearing on what, you know, um, what Ohio state's going to do the rest of the game. There's just no scenario where Ohio state ends up facing 45 mile an hour wins again. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with Awful Announcing, and the comeback here in the Frickers Zoom Room. One good thing we had was defensively, you know, Northwestern, they got a touchdown early, but weren't uh, weren't able to get anything going after that. Of course, weather 
played an impact for both teams and how they played. But what can you say about what we saw from the defense? Yeah, I think there were concerns on that that one Northwestern touchdown drive where they were just kind of moving the ball at will and stuff like that. And it was giving people flashbacks again to that Michigan game when Ohio State was getting owned at the line of scrimmage. But like Jim Knowles kind of addressed it this week. Ohio State actually won that game without really making any major adjustments on the defensive side of the ball. They just like started playing better. Um, and, and there's still plenty of room to, you know, if if they're getting owned on the inside, if they're getting pushed around, um, there's plenty of room to make more adjustments, to bring more guys into the box, maybe bring an extra linebacker and extra linemen. They like they have plenty of room in their playbook to um, kind of make those those changes and make amends if they need to. And the fact that they didn't actually have to do that and they just stuck with their base defense and just like, you know, outperformed Northwestern because Northwestern was coming in there with like a 30 or with a 13 personnel, which is like three tight ends, one running back, just as many blockers as they could get in the game. And Ohio State's still just chilling with its base defense. You know, it, it still has two corners, two or two, three safeties on the field um, at the same time. And they were making plays. They were making the stops that they needed to make. They weren't getting pushed around. They were executing just fine. And so the fact that Ohio state after that first touchdown drive was really able to like kind of hunker down and without making any real personnel changes or scheme changes, were still able to just execute against a team that was selling out to run the ball. If anything, that's like optimistic for me. Uh, I, I think that like based on what I saw, um, that was like an, an optimistic run performance. Uh, and, Jim Knowles was very clear like we still have a lot in our playbook you know like if there is something going wrong I have no doubt in my mind that Jim Knowles would be able to um, you know pull something else out if if Michigan comes out and starts running the ball at will and Ohio State can't stop it well I'm sure they have looks to add more players into the box or um, get a little more size in there or uh, come up with some new run blitzes and stuff like that like the fact that they were able to win that game and, and pretty much dominate after that one touchdown drive uh, tells me that this is a really stout, strong, good fundamental defense that um, really wasn't there last year. Yeah, and speaking about the ground game, let's flip it over to the Ohio State side. Another 200-plus yard combined performance from the team, obviously leading the way my personal hero, Mayan Williams, with 111 yards on 26 carries, two touchdowns, 4.3 yard average for the game. And obviously I know Travion Henderson, a uh, bit, bit of a uh, no no call, no show situation for him in this game. Obviously they held him out of the game, but at this point, is it is it safe to say that the discussion should switch to Mayan Williams really being the primary ball carrier going forward? I think it's like they are very different backs. And I think just the way, especially in that game, Ohio State is very lucky that they chose Mayan Williams to be the starting running back for that game instead of Travion Henderson. Um, I think that might have been the worst it, it, as much as I'm saying that like it not to not to make uh, a big deal about too many games. I think that might have been the worst um, offensive line pass or uh, run blocking game I've seen from Ohio State since the Michigan game last year. And because Mayan Williams was in there, it I don't think that his stat line is indicative of how good he was because, I mean, he was getting hit at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage a lot of the game, and he was really able to make uh, something out of nothing um, a, a lot in that game. And I think that he is able to do that more than Travion Henderson is. Travion Henderson, uh, he's, you know, 
a huge home run hitter and if he finds a crease he can score but like Mayan Williams is that guy that like if he if you hand the ball to him and he's got a guy in his face he's gonna find a way to get three yards and I think that was really necessary in this game um and so it's it truly is like they're not like a starkly different running back in in that like one of them's a speed guy and one of them's a power guy like they have but they still have different strengths and so I think just the way that Ohio State has struggled to run the ball um, and might need to run the ball against like Michigan in a tough game. Uh, maybe there's going to be weather or something involved late November. Um, I, I think that you're going to need Mayan Williams to get those tough yards when there might be a guy in his face um, or he might get hit behind the line of scrimmage to start or he might need to break a tackle or three to to score like he did on that big touchdown run. Um, and so I, I think in those games, he is definitely the guy that you need. Now, when you're playing, uh, I don't know, like, TCU on turf in January, that conversation might be a little different. You know, you might want uh, Travion Henderson as a pass catcher, as a receiver, as a uh, threat out of the backfield, as a home run hitter. So I, I think it's really nice for them to both be on the same team. But in this game, they needed Mayan Williams and he really came out and performed. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with Kevin Harris from Mid Meet at Midfield along with Awful Announcing and the comeback. And looking ahead to this week when the Buckeyes take on Indiana, they're 3-6 and six on the year. They beat Illinois, which looking, uh, looking earlier at the season was a pretty good win for them with how Illinois played most of this year. Also, they were able to beat Idaho and Western Kentucky in those first three weeks, but since then it's been a lot of a lot of bad for Indiana. They lost to Cincy, Nebraska, Michigan, Maryland, Rutgers, and Penn State all consecutively. First off, just what happened to this Indiana team that was a contender just a few years ago? Yeah, I, you know it's it's been a series of <clears throat> Indiana. There's a couple teams that in the Big Ten, Michigan State's one of them, and I think Indiana is turning into one of them that um they don't really know how to use the transfer portal and i I think like that's that's not like a super big criticism because i don't think anybody really does there's no like huge game plan for it yet because it's so new but like um they're losing players obviously everybody loses players but they're kind of just like building their roster based on um players that didn't work out at other places and like that can work once it's it's like rolling the dice you know like if a guy doesn't work out at a program, it's either because like there was some cultural misfit or he wasn't very good. And you're kind of rolling the dice every time you take one of those players at a program like that, whether it's the former or the latter, you know, like, and so there's a reason in most cases why some of these guys transferred out of the bigger programs. And so when you're Indiana and you're taking guys that are transferring out in a lot of ways to build your roster, you just better hope that those guys are transferring out because they didn't like their position coach and not because they actually weren't talented enough to see the field. And I think that's a really fine line to, to, to walk. And I don't think, I think that really worked out for Michigan state uh, last year. Um, I guess, yeah, it was last year where they, you know, they had a really good roster based on transfer guys, but that doesn't always work. And I think you're kind of seeing that a little bit with Indiana. And on top of that, they haven't really recruited well as, as a freshman class either. Um, so th- there's just a lot that's gone wrong for them. Uh, I-, I think a lot of people were seeing that uh, 2020 season is 
you know, maybe a, a glimpse at the future when in reality, in hindsight, it's looking like that was just kind of a, a, a flash in the pan. Um, you know, nothing, nothing they're really going to be able to really repeat. Um, and especially in like a COVID season when it was a shortened season, you don't even know how that team would have done in, in a full 12 game slate. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it's just, it's not really that unexpected, but this Indiana team so far this season has not been very good at all. Um, I'm I'm very interested to see how this game plays out. My my good friend Taylor, he used to work at Eleven Warriors. Uh, now he's a full time teacher, a big Indiana fan. But he posted a uh, tweet of Bill Connolly's advanced stats against Penn State. Indiana averaged negative point three yards per rush, meaning that they were getting hit in the backfield on their average rush if that tells you how terrible their offensive line has been and was last week. So um, from what I think is the best Ohio State interior line that I've seen in several years, I think this could be a, a really tough matchup for Indiana to really get anything going on the offensive line uh, or in the running game or in the passing game if their offensive line just isn't getting any push at all. So um, I think that's where it starts for for Indiana is that their offensive line has just been horrific this year. And if, I mean, I mean if, if you're starting every play with defenders in your backfield, there's really not a whole lot you can do past that. So um, I think that more than anything else is, is their biggest concern this year. And obviously back in that uh, 2020 season, they had a handful of athletes that could uh, make some plays for them. Of course, Michael Penix Jr. is over in what Washington now. And he's, he's at he, Washington. And, yep. And he's uh he's, he was a big part of uh part of that team a couple years ago. Is is there any I guess is there any really athletes that Indiana has that are comparable at all to that team they had a couple years ago? You know, it's I it's 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 more on their defensive side of the ball. Um I I just there's like I said it's it their offensive line has been so bad that um it's been really hard for playmakers to even really emerge. They're also like, they could start their third string quarterback against Ohio state this year or this week. So it, there's, there's just not a lot going well for them on, on, uh, on offense, but on defense that uh, Desan McCullough, um, maybe Ohio state fans might remember him. He actually committed to Ohio state. He was a top 75 linebacker. Um, he ended up going to Indiana because his dad got a coaching job there, but you know, he's been really well, or he's been, he's been doing really well this year. Um, their defense as a whole has not been great, but um, he is looking like every bit the, you know, four-star blue chip prospect that he was uh, and really looks like an anomaly on that Indiana defense. He doesn't look like he fits because he's definitely the best player on that defense. Um, I think he's got, he leads the team with four sacks this season. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a really good player. So I think if there's anybody to watch, it's, it's Desan McCullough. Um, you'll know him. <laughs> he's going to be the only defender that uh, looks like he doesn't belong on, on Indiana's roster, but um, he's really good. And he was going to be an, a Buckeye for a little bit before his dad got a job at Indiana. Talk with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with awful announcing and the comeback here on the NWO or the Beatix Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios here on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB looking back at last weekend in college football in Georgia. Of course, plays very well in their win over Tennessee. Notre Dame handed Dabo Swinney one of the worst losses He's had at Clemson in a while, so that was pretty fun to watch. LSU, they go for two. They beat Alabama in overtime, and they give Bama their second loss of the season. Texas 
able to beat Kansas State by seven. We also had Michigan State upset Illinois and Kansas beat Oklahoma State. So a couple weeks in a row where Oklahoma State has not looked very good. What were what were your thoughts on what we saw this past weekend in college football? Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's one of those where like Ohio State fans are for once really glad that they played a noon game because Ohio State struggled and you had a bunch of people talking about Ohio State struggles or whatever, even despite the win. You know, people always talk, but then come at come like eight o'clock, ten o'clock, nobody even remembers that Ohio State had a, an even a, a little bit of a problem with Northwestern because they're watching Alabama and Clemson lose. And Michigan was even trailing Rutgers at, at halftime before yeah. Rutgers threw like three atrocious picks. Um, so it was just like and Notre Dame uh, obviously played beat Clemson really uh, dominated Clemson that entire game. So um, it was a lot of like a lot of people aren't even going to remember that Ohio state even slipped up a little bit with Northwestern because of the way that those night games went. So um, it was a great, <laughs> if Ohio state's going to have a clunker, this was a great week, week to have one. Um, you know, I, I, I think uh, Tennessee couldn't get anything going against Georgia. Um, I, I was impressed by, by Georgia's defense a little bit. Um, but I mean, man, Tennessee's defense was just horrifically bad. Um, I I don't know. Georgia wasn't doing anything crazy. It's just Tennessee's defense came into that game as a bottom 100 pass defense, and they definitely looked it uh, against the Bulldogs. So um, I don't know. It was it was a very eventful weekend. It's really hard to cover everything, but I think entering this week, it's very clear for really the first time uh, what like the four top teams in the college football playoff are. And it's Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan, and TCU. It's going to get real interesting though, uh, that Ohio state and Michigan play each other because um, that kind of opens the door for all sorts of conversation, uh, whether it's USC or Oregon or um, you know, another team to, to sneak in into that uh, four spot. Um or maybe Tennessee gets back because I, I think Alabama's kind of played its way out at this point. But um, yeah, it's it, it's shaping up for a very interesting college football playoff conversation. But right now, the top four is pretty solidified. So let's go ahead and start that conversation, even though we're still about a month away from everything. As you, as you mentioned with the top four, the new playoff rankings, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, then TCU. But it's, it's really interesting to me just because you look at all that and it sure, it sure tells me even if Georgia does lose in like an SEC title game, they'll probably still be in, even if they drop from like one to four. It opens up the door, like you said, if like Ohio State, Michigan, whoever loses that one, if it's a close game, maybe they still find themselves ahead of like a Tennessee with just one loss. And, and like you mentioned, of course, more more of the craziness with Oregon, if uh, if they can keep winning. Even though they lost to Georgia, it was you know way back start of the year. Even though it was a blowout that we've covered a few times, but now you got LSU up at seven, and they've you know won a couple couple good games in a row. Of course, beating Bama, and they uh, theoretically will have the chance to play Georgia in an SEC title game because I think it's them and Tennessee are or Tennessee's on the on the Georgia side. So it's right now it's just kind of yep. LSU at the top of the of the SEC on the west side. With yep. the win, LSU LSU would have to lose two games to to not represent the West, which they probably will not, because I think they have no. a pre- I think they have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way, and Correct. and Bama, of course, they already have two losses and they play Ole Miss this weekend, so one of those teams right. is going to lose that one too. Just what are your thoughts? Obviously, 
lot lot to digest, but what what do you see kind of happening over the next couple of weeks in, in what could, you know, determine who's in, who's out and it does open the door now that so many teams at this point it really looks like are going to have one loss maybe two depending on how everything really goes goes uh, goes according to plan or not according to plan for some. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, the one that's really going to interest me is that Tennessee versus Oregon conversation because what that could easily turn into um if if Michigan does not get in over uh if, if they put Michigan in after a, a, maybe a close loss to Ohio State or something like that um that would kind of solve the problem here but if you're going to put if you're going to choose between Tennessee and Oregon is what it would look like um for that last spot and keep Georgia at number 1 if they go undefeated that's just a really interesting conversation to me because both of those teams really got blown out by Georgia. So either one of them is probably going to be a, uh, a rematch for, for Georgia. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it's which one would you prefer to see? And uh, I, I personally think that I think I'd rather or- rewatch Oregon. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I also think that Oregon, it, Oregon's a really interesting conversation too, because had Oregon not played Georgia, They'd be in the top four right now. You right. know, they might even be like the number two team in the country because you look at their resume. They have a top ten win over UCLA. Um, they and if they win out, they're also going to have top twenty five wins over Washington and Utah. Um, so they actually like it, and that BYU win was pretty impressive too. Like they have a pretty impressive resume, and I think if they did not schedule Georgia at the beginning of the season, they would be sitting pretty right now. So it's a really interesting case study in how you should schedule, but. Um, I think that Tennessee, they can't really improve their resume anymore. So I'm really interested to see how that shakes out because I think Oregon's resume can only get more impressive with, you know, two top 25 wins and then potentially a Pac-12 championship. But Tennessee, they're kind of stuck. So I would not be shocked at some point to see Oregon hop over Tennessee. Um, But again, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with Michigan too, assuming Michigan or Ohio State, assuming one of those teams loses to the other in kind of a close game, would maybe they give one of those a chance to to play Georgia since, you know, Oregon and Tennessee have, have already done it. But they could even get more chaotic if LSU beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, which I don't really see happening. But all in all, uh, it, it'll be really interesting. Um, and another interesting conversation that could happen there too is like USC, you know, if USC beats Colorado, beats uh, UCLA, and then beats Notre Dame, um, and then like they win the SEC championship, I, they're another team that might kind of solve that problem by leapfrog- leapfrogging all of those teams and ending up in the in the uh, college football playoffs. So, all in all, um, it's it's pretty early to be discussing this because we do have you know three right. big weeks of football left, but um, that that's never stopped us before. So yeah. here we are. <laughs> well, and the only the only follow up I have to all that. TCU is at four. They're still undefeated. Do they have to like blow teams out to even stay at four? Because I feel like depending on if they have, you know, either an actual loss, which would completely take them out of it, or if they have a close loss, I feel like that gives them more incentive to look at some of these one loss or even a two loss team. If LSU can keep winning the way they have been, I think you then open that door of, okay, well, TCU, they might have won, but they only won by seven. So maybe that means one of these one-loss teams is actually better. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. If, I think if TCU if TCU uh, loses a game, they're obviously done. Yeah. And I, I think there's a really good chance they lose this week to Texas. But, yeah. 
yeah, there, the number of times that I thought TCU could lose a game and they just haven't is stunning. Um, I, I think I thought about thought that about Oklahoma State, thought it about Kansas State, thought it about even West Virginia, and here we are, um, thought it about Kansas. But uh, I, I I think that they could lose this weekend. If they don't, I think they're probably going to go undefeated, um, which means they'll probably lose to Iowa State at the end of the year. <laughs> but right. um, but yeah, I, I think that I don't see a realm of reality where a one loss team gets in over an unbeaten TCU, especially if they win the the uh, Pac-12 championship. But um, yeah, they they definitely need to go undefeated. Like they're they're not going to get in as a one loss team. Um, all these with with how log jammed it is in terms of one loss teams with, uh, you know, your Tennessees and your Oregons and your UCLA's, your USC's. Um, I I just I I can't see Tennessee or I can't see um, TCU staying in the top four as a one loss team. So uh, they a hundred percent need to win out, and I don't see them. Um, I don't, but I also don't see them getting leapfrogged if they are undefeated. Talking with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. And look, looking ahead to this weekend, uh, lots of lots of ranked matchups around the area for college football. You have Alabama against Ole Miss. UCLF UCF plays Tulane, which the Green Wave have been, you know, one of the one of the actual actual uh, surprises in college football throughout this season. They're still ranked. Uh, Oregon, of course, plays Washington. We've already mentioned TCU against Texas, and there, there's some non-ranked matchups that uh, that catch my attention, and they all pretty much happen to be ACC. You have North Carolina, Wake Forest, Florida State, and Syracuse, which Syracuse inexplicably lost their third game in a row. They lost to Pitt last week, and uh, Louisville taking on Clemson, and if they can re-replicate what they did uh, against Wake Forest a couple couple weeks back and see if uh, Clemson can rebound after that game against Notre Dame. And so, yeah, all those additional ACC games uh, sticking out to me, but of course some of those ranked games are what's going to really, uh, really going to be what we're looking at for different things in college football. What do you think we're going to see uh, this coming weekend? You know, it's, it's one of those that on the surface, it doesn't look like there's a ton of like high profile games or anything like that. And that just tells me that um, something wild's going to happen because it always does, especially at this time of year. Um, so I don't know. I nothing really like super jumps out at me as like I have to watch that game. That UCF Tulane game will be fun, but obviously doesn't really have national title implications. Um, you know, I I I I will probably be probably the closest to a a like important you know college football playoff game or two that we have is uh, Washington versus Oregon and then TCU versus Texas. I think both of those are going to end up being really big games, but. Um, I don't know. I I think it's just one of those weeks where you just kind of sit back and watch watch the chaos kind of unfold because I guarantee we're, we're looking at all of these teams that um, should have easy games. Like Tennessee should just cruise past Missouri. LSU should cruise past Arkansas. But like history tells us that might not always happen. So I'm really interested in that. I'm, I'm also interested to see how Illinois bounces back against Purdue. Um, they still actually control their own destiny in the Big Ten West. So even though they lost to... Uh, um, they they lost to Michigan State last week. Um, I don't think that uh, like they they don't even need to beat Michigan to um, win the Big Ten West. So they're still you know sitting pretty as long as they beat um, Purdue this week. They're totally fine and will probably be facing Ohio State in the uh, um, Big Ten championship game. So um, interested to see that. But more more than that, I'm just going to be sitting back and kind of just watching stuff happen. 
And Kevin, last thing I got for you, I'm just, I'm fascinated. I'm curious to know, because you, you seem to have the in, you seem to have the, the pulse of these people down pretty strongly. Um, why is the entire AP poll full of dumb, dumb sauce? And how is Alabama somehow still in the top 10? They're a two lost team. Just uh, how, 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 and why is what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's because they're Alabama like that that's just that's just the easy answer um you know it's it's because they're Alabama and they could have three losses and they'd be a top 15 team like that's just that's just how it is um it's the name brand at this point and um we're we're gonna if they lose to Ole Miss it'll be really interesting to, to see what happens to them but um I don't know it's it's they should not in my opinion be where they are but LSU also should not be number seven in it uh with with two losses as well. I think people quickly forget that LSU is also a two-loss team. So um in my mind, that was two uh middle of the road or above average SEC teams beating playing each other. Um, but in in the eyes of everyone else, that seemed to be a you know a matchup between two title contenders, which blows my mind. But um yeah, I I think that it's just you get these name brand ideas, you get these preconceived notions of what a team is and um you know, people adjust their expectations accordingly, but um, I don't know. At least Alabama is hypothetically good. I This is one of like, if you go by recruiting rankings and blue chip ratio and stuff like that, this is one of the most uh, talented top to bottom Alabama teams that they've ever had. Uh, that just hasn't really led to anything on the field. Um, you know, especially in, in terms of offense, their offense is just atrocious. Their, their wide receivers are not good. They can't score points. So um I don't know. It's it. Your eyes tell you that this team is not a very good football team. It's not a great football team, but it, they're still in the top 10 every week. So that's just, that's just what happens. And I guess it's something we got to get used to. I, I guess I do have one more thank you about, because I've already heard the drum starting to get beat for this about LSU and Alabama in particular, that whichever one of those two, which right now it's looking like LSU, even as a two-loss team, once they get to the SEC championship, if they somehow win that game, I have been hearing people legitimately talking about a two-loss team making the college football playoff over TCU. Do you think there's any chance of that happening because of the SEC bias? I I, re- I really don't think a two-loss team would get over an undefeated TCU. Maybe a one-loss TCU. Maybe a one-loss T. Like I, I just I don't think that. A, the college football playoff would put a two loss team over a undefeated team. You know, I, I, I think if both teams, if maybe over a one loss team, I could see LSU getting in over like Oregon or Tennessee or something like that. But I, I just, I don't, not, a, not an undefeated team. I just don't see it. Uh, it. It'd be interesting. I think people would lose their minds, but uh, I, I just, I, I don't really see it at this point. This has been Kevin Harris, writer for Meet at Midfield, all of announcing and of the comeback. We, of course, follow you on Twitter at Kevinish, and now you can find Kevin now on TikTok at Hi, I am Kevin. Has some good breakdowns of Ohio State football over there, so go ahead, check those out. And Kevin, again, and again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. We'll catch up next week. Sounds good. Thank you, Lance. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Tiffin Calvert head volleyball coach Lori Romback. You're on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on Classic It's 96.7 WBVI and ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. 
Hey, Hardin County, Allen County, and Putnam County residents. NWO now can serve your local orthopedic and physical therapy needs a bit closer to home. We are now located in Bluffton at 132 Guru Street, right across from Bluffton Hospital. We provide the same great standard that NWO always offers, and we are now accepting patients wanting to be seen in our Bluffton office. Take your orthopedic and physical therapy needs to NWO. There's only one place to go, NWO. Everyday values are at only one place, Frickers. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings. Tuesday, traditional frickin' chicken wings. Wednesday is all about that steak. Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Frickers, where kids 10 and under eat free every day. Remember, draft beer specials, everyday values, and kids eat free every day. The home for money-saving value is the home for fun, food, sports, and spirits, Frickers. Grit. The word is defined as having courage or strength of character. My name is Mitch Gardner and I am the owner of Grit. We are a personalized health and fitness organization that will help you find the strength and courage to become the best version of you. Let my staff at Grit encourage you to get healthy in the right way. It's time to take charge of your health, for yourself, your family, and your future. Grit is located behind Ace Hardware and Body Works 24-Hour Fitness of Tiffin. Or reach out via email at grit, G-R-I-T-T dot training at gmail.com. Need new tires or tire service? Then Wilson Tire Company has you covered. Offering 15 brands of tires and providing 24-hour roadside assistance, Wilson Tire Company can get the job done. In business for over half a century, Wilson Tire Company has three convenient locations. Tiffin, Upper Sandusky, and Kenton. Wilson Tire Company offers mobile services, especially for commercial and farm applications. Check them out on the web for contact information or simply set an appointment from the comfort of your couch. Wilson Tire Company, a trusted partner for all your tire needs. It's, it's difficult. It's hard. We didn't want it to end the way that it ended, but we also we had a great season. We had we did a lot of great things. Um, you know, district champions again is nothing to hang your head at. Getting to regionals, it's a hard thing to do. And you know, we talked about it going into the game. You know, not you know taking any of this for granted because getting the opportunity to play at the regional level is, is something special. Yeah, and coach, I mean, first off, congrats on. Uh, another incredible run this season. I know, as you alluded to, and that we were talking about, definitely came up short from where probably wanted it to be. But still, it, five, five straight years make it to the regional finals. There's a very, very small list of teams over history that can say that. And that that's still quite the is, is that something from a history side of things that has started to like register as the days have gone on? Where it's like, you know, we we're kind of a a dynasty level team in Ohio right now. Very few teams have done what we've done. Well, thanks, Matt. I don't know if personally if I look at it that way. Um, you know, I, I I tried to you know give the girls perspective. You know, on the team that you know this is this is something special that they're doing and that they're part of. And you know, just to appreciate the journey and appreciate the fact that we get to compete. And you know, the more years that we compete and and see that success along with that comes a little bit of pressure and that pressure you know we're, I'm trying to teach them and and you know get them to understand that that pressure is a privilege to be able to have that and it's um it's difficult at times but it's it's something special and you know we just we want to we want to compete we want to get better and we want to win and you know against convoy crestview we came up short and you know, we were prepared for that game. We did the best we could that night, and, and it was they just did a little bit better than we did. 
This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WF. will be talking with Tiffin Calvert, head volleyball coach Lori Rombach. And as you mentioned, Crestview, a very good team, even better really, I think, than advertised with uh, some of the attackers they had. And really up front was kind of where they had their bread and butter. Just how tough was that adjusting to them being perfect on their timing for the jumps and the blocks and Etzler, it seemed like every time she wanted to, she was able to get something up front. Definitely. And, you know, we scouted them. We watched them in several different games. We looked at them on paper. We knew they were going to be competitive. We knew they were going to be good. We knew they were going to be tall. But I don't think we really knew how tall and how, you know, aggressive they were until we got there and we were playing them. And, you know, hats off to Crestview. They're a great team. They played a great game against us. They really did. And, um, you know, it, it it just didn't go the way that we planned it to go. Um, we struggled in, in parts of the game that we hadn't struggled with a lot during the season, which made it difficult. Um, but we did a lot of great things. We rallied. I mean, set two and set four were, you know, great for us. And we did a lot of really good things. Um, so, you know, you're trying to focus on those positive things. And, and Coach, looking at the positive things, obviously it's a bit of a rough start to – the match itself, but you guys did rally. You made it competitive in the first set, and then you came back in the second set, and again in the fourth set. But what what was the mood in the the huddles as you were going between those sets? Because it really seemed like you guys didn't really break at any point. It, do you understand what I'm saying? Like it didn't seem like it turned into a finger point or anything like that. It, it felt like the team was comfortable. Where it's like, okay, we know we can rally. We know we have this in us. What Was that the, the vibes that were going on in the huddle? A hundred percent. I mean, this team, we worked a lot on, you know, being a team and coming together. And um, never once in a huddle did we ever, you know, point any fingers or get down on each other. You know, we have a, a lot of athletes on this team that have very high volleyball IQs. And, you know, we, we try to throw around different things and see where we need to make adjustments and, um, you know, try to switch things up a little bit. And Crestview just answered. And any type of adjustment that we did, you know, they um, they came back and, and, you know, came at us with a little bit more than we could handle. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Cobbin, talking with Tiffin Calvert, head volleyball coach, Lori Rombach. And enough of looking back. Let's look forward, at least for, for, for those four teams in Division Four. Uh, Crestview is going to play New Bremen. Monroeville will play Newark Catholic in the Division Four state semis tomorrow night. And I'll ask you to, I guess it's coach and analyst hat, if you will. What do you think uh, is going to shake out in the Division Four with those matchups? Well, if I had a crystal ball, I wouldn't be here right now. So um, if you, you know, had we, a crystal we, ball, we wouldn't, any, <laughs> none of us would be here. We'd pretty much all be in Dayton getting right. ready for stuff. But right. now since we don't have the crystal ball, what, 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 are, you, what are your thoughts? Well, I, we, of course, wish, you know, Kendra Snook and Monroeville um, the best of luck. You know, they're in our district here. And um, I haven't personally seen Newark Catholic compete. I know they have a, a good program. They always do. Um, I think Monroeville's a lower seed coming in than Newark Catholic. So um, I think it's really a toss-up between those two. And um, for New Bremen and um, uh, Crestview, obviously we've seen Crestview. New Bremen we saw at the beginning of the season, and they just are, you know, a powerhouse of a program. So, I mean, if I'm going to predict the the state championship match, I'm going to go with New Bremen and 
I'm going to go with Newark Catholic. And then who wins when New they Bremen. get on the floor? New, New Bremen. Bremen wins. I mean, that that was my prediction. I, I was just going to ask Coach Patel the same year if he did have a crystal ball. We could go back in time to tomorrow night, or actually Monday night before the lottery numbers were pulled, and we all don't have to worry about anything ever again. <laughs> we split it three ways, and it's just fine for that billion-dollar lottery. But I, I, I am curious your thoughts. You, you did just kind of do a little bit of analysis. I, I'm very intrigued, though, because it, it, New Bremen has been the team that's been with you guys kind of throughout this run that you, you've had since you've been at Calvert. So what, what did you see from them earlier this year that made you think, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be there and date the way they're going this year? Well, it starts with their coach. I mean, they have, they have a phenomenal coach that puts together a great team every year. Um, she has a coaching staff. Um, my gosh, the girl's name is, is escaping me, but she's the New Bremen graduate from 17 who went on to play at Michigan. I think it's Paige something. Um, Paige, it is. Um, she's on their coaching staff now. So, I mean, she has a, she has a great coaching staff, and they, they put together, you know, a really good team. They have a, they have a right side hitter um, that's tall and aggressive. Um, they just they have all the parts and pieces, and they like to compete. Um, so, you know, I, I talked to a, a couple people that had seen some matches later in the season, and she's just progressed that team from the beginning of the season when we've seen them. So, we were hoping in, for a chance to be able to compete against them. You know, it just wasn't in the cards this year. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, along with Tiffin Calvert, head volleyball coach Lori Rombach. And we, we talked about it last week, but worth repeating when you look at this team and everything on the floor, get started with the girl that is currently right behind you and Hannah Miller and the, her and the other seniors. What can you say about what they've done for you over these last four years and kind of what they've, you know, meant to this program in helping to bring these regional runs and, of course, two state titles, too. Yeah, I, I can't say enough positive things about Hannah. I mean, she's a, anybody that spends any amount of time around Hannah in a gym, you know, knows that she's just the, the poster child for someone that works hard. And, and she's not short of confidence either. And she's not short of confidence. <laughs> Look at her. She's flexing. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, you know, she works hard and she wants to win. And I think some of the the things that you just don't realize what she does for our program is, is she's a great example for younger athletes on what hard work does. You know, she puts in extra time outside of our practices. She's, you know, playing swamps and she could probably, or club volleyball since she can walk. And it's just a really good example for our program and for our athletes on, on what hard work does. I mean, she just received first team all Ohio honors and that's something pretty special. That doesn't come by luck. Uh, that comes with hard work. You know, Coach, you may have just stolen my thunder a little bit there with the, my next question. I was going to ask, three All-Ohio players on your roster this year, obviously Hannah, who uh, I'm sure the flex game was very strong there behind the scenes, but uh, H Hannah being first team All-Ohio, you had Caroline Lanachek, second team, and then Cameron Shook with honorable mention. Uh, was that to, was that mean to you as a coach that not only you recognize these, this talent, within your team and with what these girls are capable of, but also for the whole state of Ohio, they're getting the recognition that they deserve as well. See, it seems Northwest Ohio t tends to get overlooked. So what, how does that make you feel as a coach that they're getting the recognition they rightly deserve? 
I appreciate you recognizing that, Matt, because you're right. That is something pretty special. I mean, I can nominate, I can nominate 15 girls, and you know, the only way that a girl receives all Ohio honors is from votes from coaches throughout the whole state. So, you know, we've worked hard over the last, you know, five years to build a program that is respectable and that um, deserves these honors. And, you know, to to see the girls finally receive that, it's special. It really is. And all it does is it drives me as a coach to to get back in the gym, to get back in, you know, my books and plans and, and, you know, keep pushing these athletes to get better and stronger because, um the recognition is there for this hard work, and it's pretty special to get one athlete to receive all Ohio, but to get three is pretty special. And we mentioned it last week when we talked. We talked about how every team is different, regardless of even with turnover or even lack of turnover in some instances. What is it about this team that is different compared to other teams uh, that you've had over the last couple of years? Well, we're half Millers. That's true. <laughs> That is true. That's the first thing. (laughs) And neither, again, are short on confidence. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, all joking aside, you're right. Every team is different. And what's special about this team is just to see, you know, the maturation from the individuals from when we first started coming. I mean, getting together. You had, you know, I remember, you know, Olivia and Cameron and Caroline when, you know, they were ninth graders and they were frightened by, you know, some of those seniors in there, you know, attacking and hitting at them. And then just to see, you know, um, Porter and Cecilia, like, just gain confidence and start to be the leaders on on the court, it's something pretty special. And then, you know, you have, you know, we have Claire and we have Carly as um, freshmen that are getting... I really wish this was all on video. I'm so grateful it's not on video. I'm so grateful it's not on video. Um, but to see, you know, these upperclassmen teaching them the way of this program, it's just special. It really is. And hopefully in three years, you know, Claire and, and Carly and Emily Miller and those other freshmen are, you know, setting the example and welcoming in, you know, the current sixth, seventh and eighth graders into our program. And that's just how you get a program that has long longevity, I guess. And Coach, um, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm very sad. I speak on behalf of Lance, but I'm very sad. There's not cameras going on there. This would be quite amusing to watch, hearing all the laughter behind the scenes as well. But um, I, I, I am curious, though. You, you mentioned how these seniors, you know, everything they've done, you have this junior class that is just absolutely loaded going into next season, not to look too far ahead. But, but what do you think are some of these lessons that carried over from really when – people like Hannah were freshmen, that senior class. It's now carried down all the way to the, the freshmen that you have now. Cause it, it seems like you, you don't build a program without that leadership and that senior leadership being able to grow and then transition to the next group of seniors and then grow some more in its own way and transition. Can you talk a little bit more about that as well? Yeah. Sorry, I was a little distracted during all of your question, but I, I think um, – <laughs> I mean, from my experience, you know, just having the senior leadership, it, it's pivotal. You know, it's pivotal, it's pivotal to have, you know, the younger athletes being able to look across the court at Hannah Miller, who's been in a state championship game, who's received, who's won a state championship. There's a certain amount of confidence and calming that she exudes from her when she's standing next to, you know, Claire Schoenberger 
you know, in the back row. I mean, that's something that you just can't understand. Um, and it's something you can't fake. It just, it, it happens with, you know, success and just hard work. An athlete that's just been through um, the tenure of, of situations. And I don't even think Hannah realizes, you know, what she gives to the younger athletes because it's just so natural for her. This has been Tiffin Calvert, head volleyball coach, Lori Rombach. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you for coming here to the studios as well. And it was so much fun to cover the team all season. Matt and I are definitely looking forward to next year already. Well, I thank you, Lance, and thank you, Matt, for always covering us. And it's great to see you sitting up in the balcony, um, you know, at the home games and when we're, you know, at, you know, the regional game and the district game. And sometimes there's all this you know, stress and, and change and volatility. We can always count on seeing you guys there and knowing that, you know, you're going to be covering the game, and we do appreciate that. Matt, anything you need to say before uh, before we transition? Um, no, I'm kind of tearing up a little bit after that very nice thank you. So I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to keep it together over on this end. <laughs> Matt, you're funny. <laughs> What can, I say? what can I say? I'm a big softie. It's a, I, I, I love the Calvert community, and it's always – I'll speak for Lance with this. We have a blast covering you guys, Coach. I mean, it's, it's fun. I, I have a great time counting how many timeouts you use throughout the season. I don't think you broke double digits this year. I'll be totally honest with you. I really don't. But <laughs> it's, it, no, we always have a great time. We, we, we enjoy it, so – I don't have any other questions up. Just echo what you said. I, I'm so excited for next season as well. It's it's too bad those timeouts don't carry over because in that last game, I wish I had it a couple more. Uh, I, I mean, that would be nice. That yeah. would be pretty nice. But with that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with these players. But before we do that, I'm going to have a little highlight reel from our coverage throughout this year. It'll be clear. Schoenberger back to start, and she'll start this one off with an ace, her second, if I'm remembering right, of her career. Freshman Schoenberger will continue to serve here for Calvert. St. Paul will set it up far side. Now by Olivia Miller. Berger will set it up far side for Allie Porter. Turned out by St. Paul, and the Raptors will claim a point that time again for Calvert as they'll now lead to seven to nothing in set two. Burger still serving here for Calvert, and that'll be another ace for the freshman as that'll be improperly dubbed by Elena Harrigan, who ended up actually hitting off of her face as well. well set up near side again for Emily Miller and sends it on the back line for the Calvert's kill, and adding it now to a five-point lead for the first set. And check will be first to that one for Calvert as they near side, and, and again, it'll be Emily Miller sending it over for another kill for the freshman. Man, the way she hits it, does that remind you of anyone else that's currently on the roster? Kind of like a younger, smaller version of Hannah Miller. But still somehow the same amount of rage and poise on the hits each time. Willow sent it over, but sent right back where it came from at the front of the net. That time Carly Meyer and Lanachek combining for the block. Blocked again at the net. This time again, the freshman Carly Meyer up front on the far side of the floor for the block. Calvert will retake the lead. We'll dig it up for our side. They set it up for Carly Meyer, who puts that one down right onto the free throw line, part of the basketball court. And Calvert now just one point away from taking the first set. And the still serving for Calvert. Carly Meyer will put that one right back where it came from for the good play up front of the net from Carly Meyer. Calvert will lead up to two. We'll dig it up. Looking more near side for Allie Porter. Gets that one just in on 
the back line for the Calvert Point. Still serving here for Calvert, and that'll be tapped over by Allie Porter after the accidental free ball up front at the net. Set up for Gerken, blocked at the net, and perfect rock up front by Porter and Lanachek. Three-point lead now for Calvert. Still serving here for Calvert. Diving save from Willow, and slammed right back by Allie Porter to add on to the Calvert lead. Yep. <laughs> Look, I'm supposed to provide insight on this. I got nothing. It's just an absolute runaway. And the runaway will continue as that'll go down as an ace for Allie Porter as the dig went all the way into the stands here on the near side. Palm somehow able to get that over the Liberty Fencer for the free ball. Willow back over and she'll get that one to drop in favor of the Liberty Fencer. Shout out to Cecilia Palm because she was diving all over the floor that time for Calvert. Cecilia Palm dove on the floor to get the dig and went airborne. She then went and still got it for the free ball. It was very impressive. That'll go down as an ace for Cecilia Palm as it is dug out all the way right behind the St. Paul bench. A 10 to 1 lead here in our set. That'll go down as an ace for Cecilia Palm. The Calvert Libero coming in following the timeout. Calvert will pick up right where they left off. Olivia Miller setting it over for the kill and does so in dramatic fashion as that one is just in near the back left corner. Olivia Miller navigates that one on the far side to keep that one in for the ace. A little add-on to the Calvert lead. Tap it back over. The MOI special works to perfection right in the middle of the floor for St. Paul. Is Olivia Miller now back to serve, and she has the ace in style that time as we haven't seen her break out the high toss-up serve in a while. Sure worked out that time. Just that again and gets another ace as Calvert has dominant as they've been all year. A 25 to 4. Calvert on the free ball. It's at the far side for Cameron Shook, who puts that one down on the back line for the Calvert kill. They'll retake the lead. Near side for Shook and puts that one down on the back side for the Calvert points. Just two points away for taking second one. Sends it back over now over to Calvert. Far side for Shook, who puts that one down for another Calvert point. And they lead now up to nine here in the second set. Calvert will send that one over. Willow will dig it up. They'll set it up down the middle. Now find Palmer. Set it up for Shook. And that'll be dug out by Willow, but that goes all the way to the Calvert student section. As Hayden Otterbacher was the one who caught that with uh, with some flair in the student section. Set up near side of Cameron Shook once again with authority on the back line for the Calvert's kill. They lead 9-1 here in the first set. Blocked at the net that time by Cameron Shook as it's back over to Fremont St. Joe. And if having to send it over to Calvert on the free ball. They said the far side for Cameron Shook who puts that one down on the back line for the Calvert kill. They'll retake the lead. Paul digs that one up this time for Calvert. Down the middle for Lanachek. Gets that one down for the first Calvert point of the season. Oh. Slamacek just doing Slamacek things right off the bat. Great kill, nice job at the net. We'll figure that out. We'll do as, we'll do as best we can. It's, it's entirely possible. Slamacek now going back to serve for the first time this season. That'll be in on the back line for the ace. And you know, Matt, because just of how the rotations uh, shook out, pardon the pun here, over the last couple of years, we really never saw Caroline go back to serve. No, this is a very, this is a new thing. This is a whole new thing. We did not see that too often. 
send that one over. Now setting up for Lanachek, who sends that one right through for a proper slam a check there. My goodness. Send up for Haney Wells, but Lanachek right there at the net to send that one back where it came from. Calvert will take the point. So you pump the Calvert Lavero back to serve now for the Senecas. Wolfhouse to range over to save it. Han will end up sending it to Calvert for the free ball. Set up on the near side for Lanachek with some authority. Deflected a couple different times for the Vice Orthodontics kill. Calvert again adds on to the lead up to eight. I mean, that was the Vice Orthodontics slam a check to be more precise. To Lanachek for putting that one down on the near side corner for a slam a check. A good slam a check at that. Set up on the far side for Hannah Miller who slams that one down with some power to add on to the Calvert lead. Dug out by Lanachek, living more far side for Hannah Miller, whose cross-court attack will fall in favor of the Seneca. Hannah Miller's hit will be just in for an ace for Hannah Miller. Calvert's lead now up to two. Send the free ball over to Calvert after the serve. Hannah Miller, left hand, able to get that one in on the far side for the cross-court kill. Calvert's lead up to ten. Side Calvert, another kill this time from Hannah Miller as that one goes all the way into the hallway. Shows the power you get from Hannah Miller. First to hit it on the return. So the far side, Hannah Miller, right in the middle of the defense. One of the more finesse hits we've seen from Hannah Miller. That'll add on to the Calvert lead now up to four. When Hannah Miller gives it the finesse, no one's prepared for it. No one is right there is expecting her to try and drill it through the floor. Sending a far side, Hannah Miller showing the power on that one for the Calvert's kill. Hannah Miller gets that one in even after a player tried to get out of the way for TC. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is gonna run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if auto owners make sense for you. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a $0.25 cent shift differential for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Back we are here on this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common with you. Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFOB, big thanks to Kevin Harris for meeting at midfield to talk Ohio State football along with Calvert Volleyball Coach Lori Romback for joining us here on the show. We are now pleased to be joined here in the Fricker Studios by some Tiffin Calvert Volleyball players. Calvert made their fifth straight appearance in the regionals after winning their fifth straight district title. They finished the season 23 and 3 overall. We are joined here in studio by Hannah Miller, Caroline Landichek, Cameron Shook, Allie Porter, Olivia Miller, Cecilia Palm, Carly Meyer, and Claire Schoenberger here all at the Frickers Studios. And they'll be taking turns with the various microphones here in the studio. And thank you guys all for joining us here today. And for we'll, we'll get started in 
uh, getting ready for this season. What was it like? Anyone can answer at any time. Don't feel pressure. You guys want to make Hannah do it all? I'm sure she could, but I'm sure she'd like to hear everybody else talk too. But what were some of the things uh, in getting ready for this season that were, were key to you guys? I know obviously you guys have dealt with COVID the last handful of years, as everybody has. What it's, what's what's it been like uh, getting ready for this season? You know, once when we were back uh, summertime, all that good stuff. And they're all saying Hannah has to answer. So apparently Hannah's going to answer. Over the summer, the summertime that we have together, that's the biggest time for a team to bond and a team to start solid, solidifying friendships and relationships with each other. I think that's also that leads to the biggest success in teams is how strong a relationship with each other. So that's an extremely important time for a team. And then even during the summer, just figuring out how we see we're going to be in the future of the team and in the future of the season. Um, so I think that would be probably the most important time, and that's the biggest things that we do during the summer. But so, Hannah, since they put the burden on you to answer these questions, I'll go ahead. First of all, start by saying congratulations, first team, all Ohio. An incredible accomplishment. There's very few people in the state who can say that, so congratulations. Um, Thank you. You, you, you. you talk about the summer off-season program. I, I, I know one of the other aspects of team building camaraderie is stuff that happens away from the court, away from the field. But what, what are some of the things that you, you all do together? Is there like any traditions that have been carried over over the years that you started with as a freshman that now as a senior you're in charge of? More importantly, any traditions you can actually share on air kinds of things? Um, a, a particular team building moments like that that you can recall or that you guys are wanting to talk about? Um, we always, because of COVID, it kind of got stalled for a couple of years, but we have a sleepover at the school. And what we do, we all just kind of have fun. We play games. Um, people bring in board games or other just card games and things like that. And we all just kind of sleep together and we have ice cream together and ice cream Sundays, And we just kind of all just have fun together for a whole night. And it's just fun because it's just us in this big school. I'm put the mic on. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with a bunch of the Tiffin Calvert volleyball team here on the show. And again, anybody can answer. It doesn't always have to be Hannah. What were, what were some of the biggest differences for the team? So I guess everybody except the freshmen can answer this. Who, what are some of the differences about the team this year versus what you guys were as a team last year? Um, this is Caroline. Um, I think some of the biggest difference from last year to this year is that um, there were a lot of new people that we haven't really played together at the varsity level before, but we did a great job at, like Hannah said, just having some good team bonding in the summer that got us really familiar with each other. And most of us, at least the juniors, have played together on the same team before, like in junior high. So we were pretty comfortable with each other. But um, just some new players coming in, that was definitely something that we had to work through. But um, we did that pretty well. So. Yeah, and Caroline, I'll go ahead and ask you as well. Also, same, same for you. Congratulations. Second Thank team you. all Ohio as a junior. Very impressive. Um, but, but so, something that comes to mind for me is, as a junior and someone that is a key player on this team, you've just talked about having to adjust to new people. 
having been in that spot yourself, what, what were some of the things that you imparted? Because it seemed like really it's the, from the jump this season, you and Carly Meyer just had incredible chemistry on the court up there on the net. So what, what, what were some of those things that being in a leadership position as a junior on the team that you remembered from your time as a freshman that you wanted to impart on these girls as you guys got the season going? Um, yeah, so when I was a freshman, we had some great leaders, and um, Kate Rombach and Emma White come to mind for me. They kind of helped me feel really welcomed as a freshman, and they kind of worked through some difficult times in the season with me. And so I tried to emulate that with Carly, with Claire, with um, just some of the new faces on the team. And I think that my experience with those girls helped me to learn how to be a leader for the girls coming in behind me. I must say, if anybody needs a hype person, hire Claire Schoenberger because she hypes everybody up throughout everything here. <laughs> and so for, for anyone who wants to answer this as well, you have some young players like Claire, like Carly, like Emily, and some other freshmen here too. What are some of the things that you need to impart to them whether it's you know things actually on the court or if it's off the court or if it's school or whatever it might be what are some of the things you do look to make sure you are teaching the freshmen as they're getting ready for the season i think the biggest thing to make sure that they understand is the ability to move on and to enjoy what is happening at the current moment I always tell Claire to move on from her mistakes. Um, we're partners for a lot of things. Whenever we do partners in um, practice, we always end up being partners. And the biggest thing I always am yelling at her is just move on, relax. These mistakes that you're making now, you're not going to remember later. It's not important to focus on them now. Just focus on what, what you can do well rather than what you're doing wrong. Along with what Hannah said, I think it's important for everyone to know, like, that just have fun. Like, volleyball is a game of just, like, having fun. And when you put it in pressurous situations, it's just not as fun and not as enjoyable. Well, you guys teed me up wonderfully for my question. I try to always be a little more lighthearted. That's the story with Calvert. You see some of these other teams, and it's, you know, bickering back and forth. They're really getting down on each other in between sets. You guys are cracking jokes. I think there's been more than one dance party in the timeouts on occasion. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to ask two-part question. I definitely would like uh, Claire's opinion on this, too, because one of them concerned her. First off, is it just the level of confidence and trust you guys have in each other that really lead to being so light? I mean, just so lighthearted, so relaxed as a team, which is very rare to find. And number two, Claire, is it possible that you won every race to the net for pregame this year? Claire, show Can you confirm freshman? that you won all of them? I did win every race to the net this year. I'm proud to say it. And I've been recruited by multiple people. And um, I just – it's just just to make things fun and lighten up a little bit because all these girls are out here and they're like, serious face, but we just like to have fun. So, Yeah. I will say in the, I think it was the St. Ursula match, I think you caused Matt to think something was wrong because of how quickly you ran up there. I was ready. What can I say? <laughs> uh, so this is one we'll have, uh, we'll have everybody answer here on the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. For, for everybody, 
favorite match this season so just this season you can't all pick the same one so hopefully have like one or two different ones ready but what would be the favorite match i guess we'll start with olivia and go all the way down down the row and she's she's clearly ready so what uh favorite favorite match this season what uh what would you what would you pick um favorite match of the season would be lb um and i know we can all agree on it we all that was our best game it just we all like gelled together and it just felt good and then besides lb um our away game against gibsonburg it's just uh we felt zero stress when playing and even when i mean we weren't down for gibsonburg but lb when we were down it didn't feel like we were down and it just i don't know it felt good and it felt like it felt like it was second nature Pass, pass the mic and Allie can hop on. Um, I'd probably say the New Regal game. We just always... Which, which one? There was two. Oh. Probably the away game. I don't know. We always just have fun at that one. Pass, pass whichever mic Caroline wants to use. I would also have to say the LB game, but um, besides that game, I always enjoy playing Fremont St. Joe. Um each each game like either away or home or when we played them for districts that's always a fun match because they bring their whole town we try to get as many people out there as possible and they're one of our um long-standing rivals so that's always a fun one i would have to say i really like the lb game but to choose a different one i like the saint ursula game because it put us in a situation that we weren't used to and we learned a lot from that game benefiting us for our future matches and yeah <laughs> Like everyone said, I would say LB. We worked together and we trusted in each other, which helped a lot. Along with what Cameron said, I really agree with the St. Ursula game. Even though we didn't take the win, I think it was a really good learning experience for all of us. And I think it really helped us come together. So, yeah. Two more. I personally enjoyed both Fremont St. Joe games because I have a friend who's on that team. And they're one of like our better competition teams. So just the competition is always fun. And it was just a really fun game. And we took the W, so. Um, my personal favorite was the first time we played Hopewell. And that was an away game. Because that was the first time I did the thing uh, in game, which is, is the thing the the serving yeah the thing is my top spin serve so it was a process so the first time i got it to go in game was very exciting for me i was gonna say we saw it a handful of times where it was very very successful both both you and olivia we saw it be very successful so lots of uh lots of good things to take away matt uh, the floor is yours what's your next question well the, okay so I, I am going to ask a the the team collective here uh, for, first of all, for the who hasn't answered a lot, uh, a lot of questions yet, Cameron Tripp, also congratulations to you. <laughs> yeah. mention Thank you. For your size. Uh, it, it was a lot easier when the mic was just getting passed down the line on that one, but congratulations as well for the All Ohio Honorable Mention. Uh, my, my question for the team, because there is about 20% of the Miller clan currently in this studio right now. That's underestimating, uh, but continue. Possibly. I'm curious, who is the more competitive Miller? <laughs> um, that's a hard question because <laughs> competitiveness is like in our blood. It's just for both our parents. It's 
I don't know how to describe it, but I have not met one person in this entire world that is more competitive than the Miller girls. And I would like to argue that I'm the most competitive because um, I I will go at all costs, all costs to try to win, especially when it's competing against my sisters. And um, I don't know, we're both we're we're all very competitive. I will say that, but I think I take W on that one. Hannah, do you have a rebuttal? For sure. <laughs> of course he does. Listen. It's a competition. Listen. Um, I think that I'm more competitive when it comes to volleyball. For your information, you're a lot more competitive over petty things. <laughs> wow. That's fired. I... You know, I stepped in it. Unfortunately, the phone's disconnecting. Oh, no, what happened? <laughs> yeah, we're buying that one. <laughs> but this is the oh, NW man. Orthopedic Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. And we'll do another one where we can go down the line uh, for you guys. And we'll expand it a little bit. Favorite match ever. Ever. We'll start again with Olivia. Favorite match ever. Would, um, would, Thank uh, you for emphasizing it exactly how <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, I would say um, date game 2020, even though that, you know, I was, I mean, I wasn't playing, but I still had an important role to play on the bench. And me and Cece, um, we, did our, we did our job and we took that role seriously and we were the hype man and it was just, it was exciting. It was a fun game, and I would love to experience it again. Um, well, my favorite game, I have two. I like Liberty Benton this year still, but also last year it was uh, regional semifinals. I mean, I didn't play, but we got really hype on the bench, and it was pretty fun. So obviously the state game in 2020 was really exciting, but I also loved our match against Liberty Benton in 2020. They had some amazing players, including um, Izzy Granger and Kara Swillow. And it was just really exciting to come in as a freshman and just seeing those amazing girls play and that we were able to um, work so good as a team that we were able to beat them. So it was awesome. With Caroline, I have to say the state match was my favorite too in 2020, but I also liked our tournament game against Old Fort last year. It just it was a very fun game, and we all just, we had a great game that game. I would say St. Ursula. Coming in as a freshman, that was my first competitive game, and I felt like I wasn't as nervous as I, like, anticipated I would be. So I feel like that was my most memorable game. I think my favorite game has, or would have to be the away Fremont St. Joe game um, but it was at uh, Fremont Ross, and that game was super fun. And I wasn't really thinking too much about winning. Like I was, I was just rolling with it. Like I thought I had a pretty good game, and so I was just confident. And I was having a lot of fun with my buddies, and we won anyways. And it was for district champs, so it was awesome. Um, I think my favorite was this year LB's game, and I know that's really repetitive, but. Just like what the others said, we really clicked that game and came together, which we were working for all year and all season. So I think I really like that game. And also going off what Olivia said, the 2020 uh, 
State game. Um, that was a great game, too. I just remember the energy and the excitement from that game, and it was really memorable. My favorite game would be last year's New Knoxville game, which not so much for the results, but for what I learned from the game. Um, I had, that was probably my best game in my entire career. Um, I had my max amount of kills that I've ever had, which was 20 that game, and we still lost. So what that ended up teaching me was that you can have your best game and you can do all that you can do and still lose. And learning that and learning to accept the successes that I have, that we received that year, uh, taught me a lot. That was a really good answer. <laughs> that, was a, that was a very good answer. Um, but my question, because I, I am curious, but more than happy to go around the whole team on this one, because I, I have to thank all of you. You finally did something for me that I had been hoping and praying would actually happen. You beat a team by 20 points in one set, and it, it really brought joy to me. I'm curious, what is a tougher accomplishment? A 20-point set win or a three-straight set sweep for a match? They're all looking at me, like, very confused. What? So, so what we're referring to is at least twice that we saw, you guys won by more than 20 points in a set. So which is harder, doing that in a single set or winning in straight sets. Coach Rombach says it's 20 points in a single set. I guess we'll go around the horn and see what Claire, Claire's volunteering. So Claire, the floor is yours. Finally a volunteer. There we go. Um, I would say that winning the, like the sets all in a row, because if we're winning by that much, I just feel like it might not be the best competition. And I don't know, like, for me, at least, I like better competition games because then it's like it makes me play better, I think. And that's like when you get to experience the volleyball that I like, at least. And, yeah, thank you. Um, I would say winning – I would say winning um, three sets in a row because um, there's – sometimes, like, we can – let up or get comfortable in, um, and like I don't I don't know how to describe it, but like we say we win the first set and then we can let up and just take it easy and let back on the second set and then possibly lose. So um, I think winning three sets in a row would be more difficult. I think the the first one winning twenty points. Over, uh, I don't know, <laughs> the one where you win. I think that one. <laughs> um, I would like to second Allie's. Um, winning by 20 points is kind of insane. And um, Coach always tells us that it's a game of momentum. And to keep the momentum for that long is pretty crazy. So I would say that one's harder. I would have. I would have to agree with Cece and Allie because I feel like when you win by 20 points, you have obviously five points to make an error, and you can – I mean, everyone makes mistakes, so I just think that the 20 points is harder. 
I would say what Olivia said. It you, the game is about momentum, and you can always lose it at any point. So, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I would have to say that 20 points as well because it's definitely harder, like Cameron said, to minimize the errors. And also when you're winning by that much, it kind of gives us the mindset that we can loosen up. And so to not loosen up and to stay competitive is pretty insane. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Settle here from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with an array of Tiffin Calvert volleyball players here on the show. And the, the last one I have uh, for you guys, and again, this can be for anybody is anybody have any funny stories about Coach Rombach? Okay, Olivia, raise your hand first, I think. So we'll go to Olivia first. Um, 2020, we were getting ready for the state game and state finals, I'm pretty sure. And um, Coach Lori came onto our charter bus that we had, and she came in as... um. Uh, L train and um, she was wearing a fur coat and some um, chains and she came in with this uh, I don't know kind of wrap and she was wrapping the ice ice baby but in her own words and uh, she uh, this now makes what happened in the district game make so much more sense <laughs> uh, yeah and she uh, that actually really hyped up the team and got us all excited to play the game say that again when coach Lori was singing in our district finals game this year to ice ice baby um it's her song it's her go-to song and i think it when she's loose it helps us to loosen up and i think she just creates a different energy for us and she gets us excited and she's a good she's good with her words so yeah. um another thing about coach Lori is that she um Although she is very organized, she is one of the most organized people I've ever I've ever met. But if it wasn't for Coach T, I don't I don't know I don't know. I think we would forget a couple things. But Coach Lori um, is very organized. But she, um, Coach T, God love her. I love Coach T. I wish she was here. <laughs> oh, she would help me with my words. I don't even know. What to say. And that's what it's like when you say something and don't know where you can go from here. Olivia learned it, learned it the hard way. Um, I'd say, well, when we're in our huddles and like, you know, it's like the second, usually third set. And we always, we sing this song when she starts singing it. Matt, I don't know if we can do anything better than that. <laughs> I, oh, I got nothing. You know, I, I'm I'm suffering from Olivia Miller syndrome right now. I I kind of wish I had a script in front of me to try and rally after. I got that. That's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Oh um, God. Okay, I do need to come up with something. Um, I, I I guess I'll end, uh, my last one that I have for you guys. I, I'll end it this way. Obviously, a great season. Congratulations to all of you. A very good season. I know it fell short of where you guys want to, but is there anything that you'd want to say to the Calvert fan base, the community, that you'd like to take this opportunity to say to them while we have you here? 
I would just like to thank everyone who comes and supports us at our games. I mean, some of the games might not be the most fun to watch, but like we appreciate everyone that comes. And I'd like to also thank all of our parents and our coaches, obviously our coaching staff. And I mean, they do a huge commitment to our program. I mean, it's a long season and a lot of hours after school and after work. So I just want to thank them too. Um, to add on to what Cameron was saying, I think just to definitely thank um, all of our fans, especially during the regional match, um, I didn't feel that the energy went down at all, even when we were losing in the first and third set. Um, and even in the fifth, I feel like um, we got a lot of good response from that. And then I'd also like to thank, like, definitely our ball girls, definitely our stat keepers. Like, even after their season was over, they continue to show up for us, which was pretty great. And then um, obviously our parents, but then especially our coaches, they put a lot of hard work in for the season, like behind the scenes especially. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot that goes into it, so I want to thank them. What Caroline and Cameron said, I'd really, I really appreciate our coaching staff. They really help us, and it's a lot of time. They have their jobs, obviously, but it's a lot of sleepless nights, and I think that's a really big commitment to make and um, also our parents and especially just our community. We get so many people to come to our games and it's just really amazing to see and I think it helps us to be more confident in ourselves and I think that really helps. But our parents, they bring us food. They get, we do feed the team sometimes. So I think that's a huge commitment too, so. I am so appreciative of our fans that do come because for sometimes teams really do struggle to find who they're playing for. And for some players, that's a big struggle. And so when you have that, those fans there, you can just look at them in a game and say, I'm playing for them. These people showed up to watch us play. We will play for them. And so that is just a huge motivational drive for us. I'd like to thank um, our ball girls, Briella and Audrey. I'm gonna be throwing out some names, Coach T. Coach Lori, they're just great coaches and they're easy to talk to. And I'd like to thank our student section for just hyping us up every game and keeping the energy alive. And also the parents for always showing up and like bringing us the things we need. Thank you. Oh, and I, would, um, I, <laughs> I would like to thank the both of you for coming to our games and supporting us and for all the nice things that you say say about us and um, just your uh, like your continuous support. Like Cameron said, it's not every game is fun to come watch. So I think all the fans and especially the coaches, as a freshman, they put a lot of faith in us, the people that played, so I just thank them. Um, I just like to thank like the crowd because like their motivation and it like really like gives us momentum, and also Hammer Cam because he always comes to our games and. Yeah. Um, I also want to say too, um, Carly's dad, aka Gibby, he really um <laughs> gave us some motivation. Uh, the pregame Gibby that. <laughs> That's really amazing that I know he gives us a good laugh and that calms us down. So it does. And I know we already said the coaches, but I especially want to thank Coach Amy and Coach Kenzie for they live out of town and from Tiffin, so they take the time to drive to Tiffin every day for our practices. So I just want to thank them for their commitment to our team. I mean, Matt, what more do we need to say? I, 
I got nothing. I mean, it's, they're they're it's a fantastic group of young women, a great program, and it just keeps continuing year in and year out. And it's honestly, I'll say for yourself, uh, the 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 pleasure is all ours. I, we we share a privilege and a, an absolute pleasure to cover you guys year in and year out. It's you, you make it fun, you make us feel part of the community, and. For for Hannah, uh, just be candid. We're gonna miss you. <laughs> it's, it's it's fun to fun to watch you just absolutely destroy the ball with reckless abandon for anyone who's within immediate striking vicinity. And for for the rest of you, we absolutely cannot wait to see what next season holds in store for you as a team. So uh, th- thank you as well. Thank you too. <laughs> Uh, that'll just about do it for us here tonight. <laughs> Big thanks to uh, Kevin Harris for joining us earlier on, and along with uh, Coach Rombach and everyone here from the Tiffin Calvert volleyball team. Uh, thank you to everybody who listened out there, and thank you to everybody for coming. We very much appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So with that, we'll sign off for the night. But before we go, we have some funny moments from some of our broadcasts throughout this season. That'll do it for this edition of the NWO Orthopedic Sports. I'll hear from the Fricker Studios. Chopinow goes back to serve for Calvert. Because that one will be just in on the near side as Matt actually gets his own souvenir on that point. Yeah, who do I give it to? He doesn't even know how to throw it. And you all, and you hit the girl running into the game. Come on. I'm sorry. You should be. I'm sorry. You know, I'm getting sass from other people. You deserve it. On the press row. You deserve it. And a camera guy. And you absolutely deserve it. And you know what? I apologize for nothing now. And that one will go down as a Calvert's kill. Is we're able to get that one through the new legal wall. Now an 11-point lead for Calvert. That was a bold strategy from the peanut gallery. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, didn't, I hit her on her foot. I, I mean, didn't, still. It's not the principle of the matter. I get it. it you're, you're absolutely right. It is exactly the principle. And I almost had a chance at my own souvenir, but just went a little bit short as that one goes out of play. You know what? I only hope if you do get your own souvenir. I hope I don't hit someone the way you did. I didn't hear a word. You just said, I watched Jeff Hammer do the MC Hammer dance over there. And he's continuing to do the Hammer dance. I mean... If anyone can. His last name is Hammer, so. If anyone is allowed to. He can't hear us. He's on the complete other side of the floor. He knows exactly what we're saying, too. You know what? I guarantee this part will make one of his highlight tapes because Hammer. If it doesn't make an actual highlight tape, he's just going to save it away for himself when he's, when he, you know, needs a little pick-me-up. Jeff Hammer doing the Hammer dance may be my favorite thing that's occurred today so far. And you've watched what has been a very dominant performance by Calvert. I really have. But I expected that. I did not expect the hammer dance out of Jeff Hammer. That one almost hit the baseline on the opposite okay, side. Someone on checked the serve, the ball. On the serve from Willer. Who put helium in the ball? Just curious. 18 to 11, your score here in set three. Calvert leads. And we saw some touch on that one from Hannah Miller. It'll drop down for an ace. The, the fact that Hannah Miller has developed her serve game as well as Again, I, I say it jokingly, but off-speed stuff is just incredible. And back-to-back aces here for Calvert, as that was unable to be dug out cleanly. Now they've ballooned their lead up to 20-11. to 11. And uh, you see Calvert just start to pull away now. And they will continue to serve, and TC ends up getting it over on the free ball. 
Set up for Carly Meyer, who sends that one back to the other side for the Calvert's kill. And that's the lead. It's now back up to 10, 21 to 11. You also completely missed my joke. After you said helium, I said ballooned up. <laughs> that's good. It sucks that I had to explain it, but I thought it was good enough to be explained. Look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. What do you want from me? It's, that was good. That was good. I like that one. That one will go out of play, and Coach Raw will take his final timeout here in wow, set number so three. Calvert has pulled away. It's now 18 to eight here in set number three as they are looking to end this one in straight sets. Lance Morris, Matt Calvert with you. Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI online through WBVI. Com. And like you said, Matt, uh, we saw Calvert struggle a little bit in that second set before they were able to really turn on the Jets, so to speak, but has been uh, none of that struggling here so far in this third set. No, none whatsoever. They've been absolutely in cruise control. They've been at it at a high volume and high speed. That's the thing where, honestly, it, never mind. So right now we're having them actually break it down as I think Coach Rombach is actually singing Vanilla Ice down there. I wish we had audio of that. That's that's better than anything we could bring in. I have nothing to add. I don't have anything. I ha uh, no notes. No notes. No information. If Hammer's listening, get the tape. Get our feedback on that one. That that was absolute. We need to talk to her about that. We need to ask her if she was singing Ice Ice Baby. WBBI FM, Fostoria, Finley, Tiffin, and Bowling Green. With the greatest hits of.